0: Lord Jesus, we thank you because without your sacrifice and your willingness to give of yourself and be the sacrifice for our sins, we wouldn't even be standing here today. And so we thank you for all the work that you did to bring forgiveness of sins, that you called our names and that you set us into your family, made all things new again for us and give us the promise of hope Heaven forever with you. We're grateful people. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I want to start out today uh, as we get into the word. Hopefully, you've got your Bibles ready to go. Um, And just tell you a story about a young man who was brought up in the church most of his life and the Lord began to work in him to speak to him and and help reveal to him his need of salvation. And when he was 14 years old, the Holy Spirit visited him, helped him understand his need to confess his sin before the Lord and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. At that point, he began to really realize that the Holy Spirit of God was in him. He began to feel the conviction of sin like never before. He began to change the way he was thinking about things. But he had a big plan, he had a big dream, and that dream was that he was going to um, be a custom cabinet maker with his dad and open up a custom cabinet shop in the mountains of Northern California. But when he was 16 years old, he was sitting in a service just like this, and a preacher was preaching, and the Holy Spirit began to really work on him, to bring him to a point of surrender to say, I don't want you to go do what you're going to do. Instead, I have another plan for you. I want you to be in full-time vocational service for me. And there was a wrestling that went on because there was a big dream in his head that he had this thing that he wanted to do. And yet God was calling him and seemed to be saying no to this over here and opening a door of opportunity over here. He was familiar with this opportunity, but not familiar with this opportunity. But at that moment, he said, I will surrender my life to you, Lord. I will give you everything I have. I'll follow you all the days of my life. You just lead, I will follow. And he went to Bible college to become a lead pastor in a church someday. Met his beautiful wife at college, and they got married, they graduated. He graduated with his degree in pastoral ministries, and then went to a prominent church to do an internship. And it was a year long internship, hoping to learn how to be the best pastor ever in American history. That was his goal. So he went and he spent the whole year being exposed to all different aspects of ministry and then sat before um, a council of pastors, 10 different pastors who were going to recommend, um, give him an evaluation of how he did for the year and recommend the future ministry for him. And as he sat before them, and he was in incredible anticipation, waiting to hear, well done, you're going to now go and be a great pastor in a church somewhere somewhere. And here's the plan. Instead, the word came to him that went something like this. You don't have what it takes to be a pastor. Instead, you should be a worship leader or a music leader. That's what they called it back then. And there was great disappointment in the heart of this young man because he had his heart set on something that was really good to do powerful things in the name of God, to build his church as a pastor only to hear the words, no, you're not going to be. You're going to be a music director. That young man was me. Those of you who know me know that story. That is my story. And I remember how defeated I felt I remember how disappointed I was I remember how actually a little upset I was because I had a dream of ministry that I thought God had called me to and I'm being told no you're going to go another direction but I took the lead from those men in my life and I became a worship director for 26 years and God decided to use me in a totally different way. But I had to wrestle with the fact that I had a plan and I had a dream and God said no. Any of you been there before? That's the message title today. That's what we're going to lean into today. And this is the truth we're going to explore in our series. Sometimes God says no. <laughs> How do you respond and how do you react and what do you do when God says no? And that's what we're going to explore today. As I just want to say this as we get started. As long as God's people are alive on the earth, they're going to wrestle with this truth. It's going to be hard for God's people to wrestle. It's always awesome when God says yes, right? You ask, can I have this? And he says yes. Can I do this? And he says yes. And he makes a way. We've all been there, haven't we? We've seen him make a way in the wilderness. We've seen him make a way, part the sea, all the different things that we've seen, miraculous things that he's done. But we wrestle with it whenever we ask God for something, especially if it's something righteous, and God says no. We're in the middle of this fake news thing, and I just want to tell you that the fake news that we're countering today is that no loving father would ever deny his sons and daughters a request especially if it's a righteous request, especially if it's for a good thing. I say that that's fake news because you don't have to go very far out into our world. In fact, I won't say that. You don't have to go very far out into our world and realize that the fake news out there is that you have to give your children everything for their happiness, Am I the only one who sees that? that? I mean, out there, we are, our world now is, all of our homes are supposed to be child-centered homes. Where the children sit on the throne and the children demand what they want and the parents are their servants to give them anything they want. And if they don't get it, they're going to pitch a fit until they do get it. Because no one wants to be told no. And the fake news in our world is a loving father, a loving mother would never refuse something to their children, especially if it's a good thing. Am I telling a lie here? Are you with me? You guys are sleeping. It's too cold outside or something. Come on, I need you to get into this with me. Do I even need to tell the story about the lady I saw in the store the other day? <laughs> See, I don't even have to tell you the story. You know exactly what happened. She made the she made the bad decision while she was shopping at Target to swing by the toy aisle. Three children. She's totally outnumbered. Dad wasn't there, and they go through that toy aisle and they spent some time. I was actually shopping for my grandson's birthday party, so I was in the toy aisle, and I watched, I watched a crazy thing happen. I watched the children completely dominate the mother and get their way. Later on, at the, at the front of the store, she's trying to check out. Later on, they're at the, the Pop-Tart display And they're like not okay with not taking home boxes, and each kid wanted his own box of Pop-Tarts. And she's like, no, we're not going. And man, yeah, she needed to just give them whatever they want, because that's what moms do, right? Loving mothers give your children anything they want and everything they want if they ask for it. That's fake news, my friends. Let me go back to Adam and Eve, okay? Adam and Eve in a garden, We talked about them last week. God creates the world, this beautiful, perfect place, puts this perfect couple into the garden. And this is what God says. He says, guys, check, look around you. Anything in the garden is yours. Anything you want. You can eat from any tree in the garden, but there's just one tree in the middle of the garden I don't want you to eat from. You can have anything else you want, and you can do anything else you want to do. You just can't have the fruit from the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat that fruit, you will die. What was the lie that Satan brought to Adam and Eve? This is the lie God doesn't want you to be happy. God's telling you no on that tree because he knows the day you eat it, you're gonna be like him and he's keeping a whole bunch of good things from you. That's why he's not a real loving father. That was the bottom line discussion that was happening and Adam and Eve, just like you and me, are like, yeah, God's saying no, he's not a loving God. God's keeping something from us. He's keeping us from being happy. What did God know? God no, knew just the opposite because God knew the truth. The truth is for us that sometimes the most loving thing a father can do for his children, the most loving thing a mother can do for their children is to say no. Even if the kids asking for something good. So I want you to go with me to to a story to illustrate this and you could take your bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's where we're going to be this morning. It's a story about one of God's special servants, a man that God in Acts 13, describes as a man after my own heart. Anybody know who I'm talking about? David, exactly right. And what I'm going to call this message today is a David's path to disappointment in this whole thing about sometimes God says No. Now, to, to build up to the story that we're going to be working on in Second Samuel, God has always had a people, we talked about that last week, And last week, we left God's people, the Israelites, running for their lives from Pharaoh's army, remember? And then God miraculously opened the Red Sea, they crossed through, and then they witnessed God covering the entire Egyptian army with water of the Red Sea into a watery grave. What a great story of deliverance of God's people, Israel, on their way to what was the promised land that God had promised them that they would find. So Moses is their leader. He gets them to the edge of the promised land. This is years later now, okay, because I'm speeding up the whole story to get us to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. He gets to the edge of the promised land. God says, you won't be able to go through, but you're going to hand off the the people to Joshua. Joshua's going to lead the people. Joshua, by the way, was a warrior, and God used Joshua to lead them into the land and take the land, possess the land that he had promised them. Over time, God's people desired a king to rule over them, and so they chose King Saul to become their first king, who turned out to be a total failure. And then God, and it's very important to understand that God then chose the next king. And God chose King David uh, to be the next king, and David was a warrior. David was actually a man of war, and you may not see him in this way, especially if you spend a lot of time with his heart in the book of Psalms. But David is a warrior nonetheless. In fact, one of his first appearances in the biblical stage, we see him killing one of God's enemies. Um, Any kids in here, where are the kids? Any kids in here want to tell me, do you know who it was that David killed one of God's enemies? Anybody want to tell me? The first thing he did on the biblical stage. Come on, somebody tell me. Do you know? You don't know? Okay, we need to work on our Sunday school curriculum. (laughs) Do you know who it is? Who is it? Who is it? Come on. Goliath. That's exactly right. One of the first things David does, David's a warrior, and one of the first things we see him doing is killing God's enemy, Goliath. And so I'm going to go back for you kids, you parents and the adults, you could just like sit back and chill for a little bit. I'm going to go back to my music pastor days, and I'm going to sing a song about David and Goliath. You okay with that? All right, this is just for you kids. All right, here we go. Well, the story is told in the Bible about a mighty king and how when he was just a little boy, he played around with a sling. Well, he got up early one morning, and before the sun had set that day, A nasty old giant had lost his head, and his body lay cold on the clay. Well, David went down to the battlefield. His big brother said, stay away. You've got no business out here, David, so go back home and play. Ah, but David said, step aside, boys. I'm going to take this giant on. But his brother said, obey your elders, David. Get back home where you belong. David said, that old giant ain't going to make fun of my God and king. I'm going to find me five smooth stones and play a while with my sling. I'm going to challenge that devil in the name of the Lord. And when he's dead, I'm going to take his sword, chop off his head, and let the world know that Jehovah is the Lord. But his brother said, listen, little David, you ain't thinking straight. That giant up there is too big to hit. Your body, he will mutilate. But David said, listen, big brother, I've seen worse than this. That giant up there ain't too big to hit, that giant's too big to miss. Well, the rest of the story, you all know, I guess it's history. How that David took one smooth stone and that giant fell like a tree. So when a giant of trouble gets in your way, just remember what little David had to say. I've seen worse than this. That giant up there ain't too big to hit, that giant's too big to miss. That giant up there ain't too big to hit. That giant's too big to miss. So whenever a giant gets in your way, you just remember this. That the God who invented giants is big enough to whip them all. And a stone hurled from the hand of the Lord will make any giant fall. Okay, it's been too long, and I'm like completely out of breath now. So, (laughs) out of the music shape, that's for sure. All right, sorry, I just had to get that in. All right, here's the deal now, okay? You all set with where David is? Now, this is just the beginning there in that story of David and Goliath, because not long after his victory in the Valley of Elah, we read... That as the troops were returning home, they had been out there, and David had been with the troops for much warring and much conquering. The women came out. When they got home in Jerusalem, the women came out into the streets. And this is what they started singing. This was proof of how much of a warrior David was. Saul has slain his thousands, they said, but David has slain his ten thousands. David was a mighty War of God, and you don't ha- warrior of God, and you don't have to read much further to notice that David um, was that warrior king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for thirty three years. That's where we are when we get to Second Samuel chapter seven. So let's look at it, okay? Second Samuel seven verse. <laughs> I cannot breathe right now. Seriously. <laughs> <sighs> okay, Second Samuel seven one. Here we go. After the king was settled in his palace, and notice, the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Here's what's happening here. David is in Jerusalem. He's built himself a beautiful palace to live in, a palace of cedar, and he gets... This idea in his head, I'm not sure I'm okay with me living in this palace of cedar when God's living in a tent, because at that time, the Ark of the Covenant where God lived was out in a tent. And so he goes to Nathan with this idea, and Nathan says, Whatever you have in your mind, go ahead and do it. Now, I want you to notice in verse 1 that the Lord had given him rest. From all of his enemies. He had given him rest from all of his warring. But I think David is totally a type A and he had to have a project. There were no people to conquer, there were no battles to win. So he's like, I gotta conquer something. <laughs> Any of you guys in the building know what we're talking about? You gotta do something, I gotta come up. So he comes up with this idea I'm gonna build God a palace, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build God a temple for us to worship him in. Now, let me just ask you, is that a good desire? Is it a good thing to want to build God a beautiful temple for his people to worship him and for him to live in? Is that a good thing? Come on, let's, you wanna vote? Let's vote as to what to tell God, how to tell God to answer David's request. Wanna do that? Have You ever done that before? We're gonna vote, and whatever we do, God, we're gonna tell God he has to do. <laughs> That's a really bad idea, but... Here we have the great king of Israel, the great giant killer, the man after God's own heart, all in favor of God letting him build him a temple. Raise your hand. You guys, come on, play along. I know everybody at home is raising their hands. I know it, I know it. I think you would. I think God would say, that's an honorable thing, David. Way to go, man. yes. Look at verse four. The very next word is, but that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this very day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Can you feel the buildup? Can you feel he's going to let them down? Can you feel the gut punch here? Yeah. Verse 8. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. That's awesome. Now jump to verse 12. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, that means when you die, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You ready? God said no. David says, I want to do this great thing for you. And we all agree, right? It's an awesome thing to build God a temple. And God says, no, you're not going to be the one. I want to take you through some truth that we need to apply to our own lives so we don't end up like David in response to this no answer that he got from God. And the first truth is that when God says no, I think you have it in your notes, don't fight it, accept it. Now, what I'm about to lead you through, the, the, the scripture doesn't speak specifically to it, these are my observations, but after reading carefully the following pages of the Scripture, after this point here when God says no to David, it seems that David didn't handle being told no very well. Because in the very next chapter, in your notes I have down here for you, David goes to warring. Let me take you to 1 Chronicles 22 to shed some light on why he did this, or possibly why he did this. In First Chronicles 22.8, it expands what God told David, and David says to his son, the word of the Lord came to me and said, you have shed much blood and have fought many years. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. So what God says to David is in Samuel we just see God says no I'm going to let your son build the temple. First Chronicles expands it for us to help us understand that God said here's the reason David you're a warrior and you have been out there and you've shed too much blood. I don't want a warrior king building me a temple, one with blood on his hands. I'm going to let your son do it in a time of peace. Build me the temple. That was God actually gave him a reason why he said no. Sometimes whenever we're dealing with our things in life, we don't even know the answer why God says no. He just said no. But God told him why. And if we go back to Second Samuel now, even though God gave him peace and rest from his warring, David goes out to war. Interesting. So God says to him, no, you can't build a temple because you're a man of war. And David goes, okay, I'm going to war. I'm a man of war. Watch this. And he goes on a killing spree that God did not tell him to go do. God did not say, go take care of this group and this group and this group. David just says, okay, God. And he goes to warring. And in the next several chapters, we see him go up against the Philistines, the Moabites, the Syrians, the Edomites, and the Ammonites. And when David had himself drunk with bloodshed, he now goes and turns to whoring. And this is where it gets really bad. The story takes a massive bad turn. In chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, the scripture tells us that in the spring of the year, When most kings go to war, David sends his army out to ravage the Ammonites, but David stayed at home. And he begins to, I think, because he's wrestling with God telling him no about the good things, so he finally says, you know what, I'm just gonna go do whatever I want then on the things I know are the bad things I'm supposed to be doing. And if you go and read the story you'd see that David lusts after what he can't have. He then goes and takes it, and that lust turns to adultery that resulted in a pregnancy, which it turned into a cover-up scheme that led to murder, a dead child, loss of respect, incestuous sin among his own children, brother-on-brother murder, and his son, his own son Absalom's rebellion and attempt to take over the kingdom and kick his dad out of his kingdom. At which point David has lost everything. And what's crazy, you guys, is if you read the story, you get to 2 Samuel 7, and everything's great, and everything's a buildup to 2 Samuel 7, and he says, hey. I'm at peace now. I've taken care of everybody. I want to build God a temple. And God says no. And now all of David's high points of his life are in the past. From this point in 2 Samuel 7, all of David's victories are now in the rear view mirror. And everything begins to spiral downward. So I want to ask you a question. I want to ask the scriptures the question. Is it a coincidence That the downward spiral started when God told David, no, you can't build a temple. He really wanted to do this for God and God said no and he doesn't seem to be able to get over the no. Let me just show you this and it's on your notes. I want you to write it down. If you don't have notes, write it down. Get an offering envelope out and write it on that. Those are good for notes. When God says no, don't fight it, accept it. For bitterness will result in bad behavior, which will result in a breakdown and bankruptcy of your life at every level. Guys, just leave that on the screen for just a minute, okay? When God says no, don't fight it, accept it, because if you don't, bitterness will creep in, which will result in bad behavior, which will result in a breakdown and bankruptcy at every level, Let me just tell you something. When we get on the I have to do train or I have to get this train or I have to go here train, if we start getting onto that train, it never leads us to a place of peace and prosperity. It will always lead us to a place of bitterness and brokenness. The day that you get to the point where, and excuse me for saying it this way, like a little kid at Target, When dad says no, you start to pitch a little fit. Well, I have to do that. Why can't I do that? Why can't I have that? Why can't I go there? Why can't I be this? This is a good thing. I'm not asking for bad stuff. I'm not out going out and having adultery. I'm doing good things. I just want to build you a temple. When you get to the point where you can't accept the no, you can't just accept it, you're in dangerous territory in fact you and i enter a very dangerous wilderness when we begin dictating expecting anticipating or directing the who the how and the when of our lives even if you're desiring something good even if you're hoping for something good even if even if your desires are in consistency they're consistent with what the word of god teaches It's like that time when you go, I know you want this to happen, God. Why wouldn't a good God, why wouldn't you want this thing to happen? Why wouldn't you want a great temple for yourself where your people can worship? When you get to that point, you're in dangerous territory. We're supposed to let the who, the how, and the when be God's. Accept it and don't fight it. Here's truth number two. When God says no, Leave it with God. And here's what I want to say to this. Write this down somewhere. The no might just be not yet or not now. This is what it was with David. I'm surprised that David actually, his life starts to take this downward spiral because God didn't say, no, you can't build a temple. He said, no, not now. In fact, your son's going to. Now, he did say, you can't do it. But he did let David gather all the things for the temple. In fact, David even wrote the songs for worship in the temple. We have a whole book of them. But that doesn't seem to be good enough. Look at 1 Chronicles 22.6. I have it on the screen. David called his son Solomon, charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son... I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, but this word of the Lord came to me. You will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son. I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. But it seems like David was like, but I wanted to do it. I'm afraid too many of us have these dreams, have these requests, have these things that we want, and it's kind of like, I wish I had this, or "I, I thought I would have this or i i know i could get this done and there's so many things i can't even begin to describe them but I, but there's so many things represented here how many of us get to this place where we're just wrestling with the fact that god's not allowing it to happen on these very good things that we want to do are you willing to just leave it with god how about the desire to want peace and harmony in my home? I just, anybody want to, no, don't raise your hand. I just, want, I just want peace and harmony in my house. I just want everybody to get along. Is that a bad desire? Come on, is it a bad desire? It's a great desire. And so you have a ruckus home, or you have, you have rebellious children, or you have a husband or a, or a wife who's not going hard after God, and, and you're, the whole place is a mess. And you're going before God on a daily basis. And you're pouring your heart out saying, God, this is my desire. Please bring it to me. And it seems like nothing's happening. And God is saying, no, he's not making anything happen. How do you deal with that? I want my children to grow up to be healthy, responsible, contributing adults who are going to be change makers and true believers and Christ followers and kingdom builders. Is that a great is that a great desire? We get into really dangerous territory if we begin to expect that, anticipate that, set ourselves up for, for failure and for heartache and bitterness and brokenness because your Bible tells you not everyone, will come to Christ. Not everyone will be a Christ follower. And what happens when that's your desire and you're going to God every day and praying for the salvation of your children and God's not making it happen? We know you're, You're. how do you deal with that? Can God save anybody? Oh, you guys are really weak. Yes. Can he visit the Holy Spirit upon anybody and open their eyes to salvation? Why aren't you making it happen, Lord? I want to write a book that will change the hearts of people. It's a great desire. I want to build a building, I want to establish a ministry, I want to make a difference. I want to leave a mark on this world. I want to save the world. Is that good stuff? What if God says no to you? I want to be the greatest pastor in America. I want to be the best pastor to make the biggest change to bring the kingdom of heaven in. Is that a bad desire? it could be. But if that was a true desire of the heart to be the best pastor so that we could just tear the world up for Jesus and save the world, is that a bad thing? But what happens when God says, uh, no, you're going to be a music pastor instead? I just want to ask the question, are there some tasks or dreams in your life that are unfulfilled? Things that you really really want to do and then it seems like God is saying no I, the, the question is if that's true for you how are you responding to that are you willing to leave it to God can I take you one more place you have it in you I'll go quick let me take you to Isaiah 49 take your Bibles and go to Isaiah chapter 49 and I want to show you that Isaiah the prophet actually wrestled with this too a man who had given himself completely to the Lord to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. And in Isaiah 49.1, he says this, The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by my name. God has made my words of judgment sharp as swords. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I'm like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, a prince of power with God, and you shall bring me glory. And I replied, but my work for them seems all in vain. I've spent my strength. I've given it all for them without response. And that's the typical thing that the prophets dealt with. I gave it everything I had. I told them what you needed me to tell. I've been obedient, but they will not respond, these stubborn people of yours. But look at how he responds at the end. Look at how he turns it at the end. Yet I leave it all with God for my reward. You've called me. You've equipped me. You've supported me. You've used me. You've given me power to bring your glory. But nobody's responding. Why aren't you using me the way that you promised you would? No one's listening to me. Get this now. Because this is the sweet spot for believers. Yet, I leave it all with you for my reward. I don't see it. I don't understand why you said no, yet I leave it all with you. I don't understand why these dreams aren't being realized, yet I leave it all with you. I don't understand why I can't go do this thing that I think is a really good thing, yet I leave it all with you. Is that how you respond to the Lord when he says no? That's the place we need to get to. This is the place we all want to be because we don't know what God's up to, my friends. But look at verse six of Isaiah 49 because I want you to see how the Lord responds. And now says the Lord, you shall do more than restore Israel to me. I will make you a light to the nations of the world to bring my salvation to them too. Isaiah thought he was just bringing salvation to God's people, but God says, wait a minute. You don't understand I'm doing something bigger. You can't see it, but I'm going to use you to accomplish much more for me, much more for my name and my glory than what you have desired in your heart to do. You've desired to be a change maker for me in Israel, but what you don't understand is you're not having the... The impact you think you were having and you wanted because I'm getting ready to use you over here to do a greater thing that you haven't even begun to dream about. And my friends, don't we know that God has has things imaginable for us, things that we can't even imagine or ask for that he has planned for us to do. So are you okay if God says no here, knowing that God is in control? Can you trust him for the fact that maybe the no means not now? Or maybe the no means I've got something incredible over here for you to do. Do You trust the fact that God has a plan for your life? I guess is where we're at. Now, I set you up, okay? Because the crazy thing is that this passage tricks us. It sounds like Isaiah is speaking of himself because he's speaking in the first person. But he's actually bringing a prophetic word that is speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. The servant of the Lord, who is saying to his father, my work for them seems all in vain. I have spent my strength for for them without response. This is Jesus actually saying this to his father. I've come to your people. I've done everything I'm supposed to have, and they rejected me. They're not responding. They're not listening to me. This is what Jesus says to his father, though. Yet I leave it all with God for my reward how special is that that even jesus understands how to trust his father when his father doesn't work it out the way he thought it was going to work out jesus once again is saying not my will but yours be done i leave it all with you god i'm wrestling with this right now because i want to build this church do you want to build this church it seems like it's getting harder and harder. You know, we all want to continue to worship freely, don't we? Is that a good thing? Yeah, I vote for that. We all want to continue to be in a place where it's free we can freely share the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? I want to raise my children. I want to see my grandchildren be raised as children of light and children of truth without any governmental interference. I don't want them screwing up their minds. I don't want them persecuting my children or my grandchildren or ridiculing my children or my grandchildren, right? Are you with me on that? I mean, are we willing to do whatever we can to keep these freedoms? I am. I don't know if you know who Eric Miller is. Eric Miller is uh, head of uh, Advance America. He's working for religious rights and religious freedom in our state house, down in Indianapolis, has been for years. We've had a relationship with him for 35 years. He's working hard. He calls me up this week, and he goes, man, Phil, because the, legis- the legislators are in session right now, and they're trying to talk to the governor about all the crazy stuff that's going on. And he said, Phil, we've got to pass a bill. And he, he called me, he said, and Doug Miller is one of our representatives. And he goes, Doug Miller's willing to co-author a bill with me. We've got to get it before the governor to limit his power So that he cannot come into the church or the health department of all the counties cannot come into the church and shut the church down and shut our Christian schools down. They're trying to do that more and more. And I said, Man, I'll be praying. He goes, No, I want you to do more and pray about it. I want you to come down to Indianapolis. I want you to speak. And I go, Okay, time out. (laughs) I said, I'm not a politician, I'm a pastor. And though I will, I will do whatever the Lord opens a door to do, I will be part of it. You're gonna have to tell me what you'd like to, me to do and then I'll sit with our elder council and we will pray about it and decide if that's what God has called me to do. But you know what my desire is to do? <laughs> go to the state house. <laughs> I wanna go, I do, I wanna go to the state house. I wanna do everything I can. I want to run for some kind of office. I mean, there's just something inside of me that wants to do something, right? I want to make something happen. And it's all righteous stuff that we want, right? Right? But I said to Eric, as we were talking about this, I said, Eric, these are all really good things. Because He's like passionate. If you know Eric Miller, he's just like passionate about all this stuff. I said, but Eric, I'm preaching on this this Sunday. What if God says No. What if God says, uh, no, I'm not going to let you continue to have the religious freedoms you have had and have enjoyed all this time in America. What if God says, we're dying for this. We want, God, please, please let us continue to have our, our freedoms. But God says, no, I'm doing a new thing with America. Do you not see it, Phil? The church, do you not see it? I'm doing a new thing. And unfortunately, the new thing I'm doing with America, which is setting us up for the end of all time, that has to happen because I prophesied it, by the way. Do you not see that this is what I'm doing? And unfortunately, my church in America is going to have to suffer because I'm doing a greater thing. Are you willing, is your heart to say, I leave it with you, God? I'm wrestling with that to tell you the truth. And I'm going to get sensitive with you here and, and maybe hit some sensitive points and I, I don't do it to hurt you. But what if God says no to healing you? or healing your loved one from that fatal diagnosis that you have received. And you have prayed and gone before the Lord and maybe you've even asked the elders to come and pray for supernatural healing power to come into your loved one's body or into your body and heal and bring healing, supernatural healing. And you're like, I know you can do it, God. You're the great physician. All you have to do is touch. No, you don't even have to touch. All you'd have to do is speak. No, you don't even have to speak a word. All you have to do is think it to be, and you can just make it happen. Why wouldn't you want to heal, my loved one? Have you been there? Are you there? Right, I've been there. if you've dreamed of the of this particular career or ministry and it's just not happening and it's getting blocked at every level can you leave it with God? Can you trust Him and leave it with Him? Can I I touch this? What about the dream you've had for your marriage? And you've had this dream of what your marriage is going to be like and For whatever reason, your spouse has gone sideways and gone haywire and like, it's not working the way I dreamed it, it's not working the way we planned it. And you've been praying, God, just strengthen it, fix it. And it's like, God's silent right now in the middle of it. And that person, your spouse isn't coming back. Are you you okay to leave that with God? And I'm really sorry to touch on that like that, but let me touch on this one. What dream do you have for your family? Is it a good desire to have a good marriage? Is that a good thing to ask God for? Is it a good desire to have children? Some of you, God's saying no to having children. How do you respond to that? But God, don't you want me to raise up some children to be warriors for you? Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? But God keeps saying no. God seems to say no. You're going to have to wrestle with your trust in the Lord, that God knows what's best, and he knows how he's going to use you. And instead of bankrupting yourself emotionally in every other way to try to make children happen, use your life to build into children who don't have parents. I, I, I can't even really speak to this because I haven't been there. But these are the things we're talking about. So when you get to that spot and God says, no, are you like David and everything go sideways and downhill because of your bitterness and your bad behavior and things begin to be bankrupt in your life and broken in your life? Is that how we respond to God saying no? Or will you put on the mind of Christ and like Jesus said, leave it all with God and trust him how to close this except this. I. We're going to go back and sing that Set My Heart song that we sang earlier. And if the Lord has spoken to you about this today, I want to invite you to just come up here, and we're not going to have a confession session about it, but if you... If you want to get to the place you're really wrestling with the no right now and you want to just give that to the Lord, I don't know what it is. And you're wrestling with it and maybe you've, you're still, there are some people that are still holding on to bitterness today that something happened 20 years ago because God said no 20 years ago. Wouldn't it be awesome just let that go today? Here's the wonderful thing about God. You can just release it to him and you can say, yet I give it to you. And today I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to walk away from it and I'm going to trust you. And I don't know how God speaks to you, but in my heart, I've always had some awesome things happen when I have just come down like this. And as we sing, if you want to release that, just come down here as it's just to say to the congregation and to say before the Lord, I'm releasing this. I'm letting some stuff go. And I'm going to walk out of here in freedom today. And I want to have the opportunity to just pray over you at the end of the service that God will give you the strength to do that. So let's go ahead and stand and you just respond how the Lord leads you to respond. If you want to come up here and give it to the Lord and drop it right here at this place, you do it right now as we sing. I have set my heart, set my, set my heart on you. have every part of me. I set my heart I set my heart on you You have every part of me I set my heart on you Let me just pray over all of us right now. Lord, I pray that you'll purify our hearts. That you'll help us with the struggle of the no for your fame and greatness and for the glory of your name and not ours. And we surrender our will to yours. We surrender to your wisdom and we surrender to your timing for all things in our hearts and lives. I pray that you'll change our thinking and you'll adjust our view of things and bring our hearts' desires into submission to your heart, to your will and your view that you have of our lives and this ministry. Help us to trust you and walk in that trust. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. I'm going to release you now in the name of the Lord and with his blessing and for those of you who would like prayer for anything in your work right walk right now, We have a prayer team down here that would love to pray for you. God bless you. Those of you who join us online, God bless you as you go. You are loved. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbcelcart.org for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.